BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show, a mayor and her alderman special. A mayor and her alderman. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I think. It's just moments away. But before we do that, we need to thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. The Chicago Federation of Labor are sponsors, as well as Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what to smoke. It's true. And how to think politically. The latest column from Ben Jarofsky's up there. The latest column from our uh, colleague Maya Dukmasova is up there as well. Chicago Reader, subscribe, chicagoreader.com. Check out the website. And also, if you would like to become uh, a Ben head, that's what we call avid listeners of this program, you can. And you can help out the Ben Jarofsky Show. All you got to do, chicagoreader.com slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y. There, not only will you find an endless archive of episodes, over 1,000 episodes, you will also be able to become a binhead. There's a three-tier system. You can either be in the alley, the avenue, or be living large on Benny Boulevard. For more information, chicagoreader.com slash Jarofsky and help out the program or don't. Whatever you want to do. We're just glad you're listening. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, May 5th, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's Aldermania. We welcome Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa, Jeanette Taylor, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez, Byron Sigcho Lopez, and Daniel Laspada. Now your host, not an alderman, <laughs> Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Big Lie Wednesday, and here's why. Because every day is a big lie in Trump's America. That's why. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ben, stop calling it Trump's America because he lost. Well, let me break you some news, lefties. Half of America would disagree with you. Half of America refuses to acknowledge that Trump lost. And half of America thinks that he remains their grand imperial wizard. I'm not a doctor. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ben, stop saying half of America. He only got like 40% of the vote. Yeah, well, get your heads out of the sand, ostriches. We still have an electoral college system. And as long as we have an electoral college system dictating who gets to be president, it's half of America is for Trump. And he's not backing down. 
Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ben, Facebook just kicked Tony off for telling big lies, so he's losing his audience. Well, let me tell you this, lefties. That was the wimpiest decision I've seen in years. Facebook's knees were knocking as they made it. Not not expulsion. It's like a six-month suspension. He can come back in another few months to spew more lies. Meanwhile, MAGA's on the attack, calling Facebook out for stepping on Trump's First Amendment rights, even though this is not a First Amendment issue, and saying Facebook's prejudice against the right, even though I've never heard of one right-winger who ever lost his job with a right-wing outlet for being too far right and so on and so forth maga is playing the victim card that maga loves to play to make you think they're the victims as opposed to the victimizers this has been on my mind people lately i've been up late at night reading plot against america a great dystopian novel written in 2004 by philip roth it imagines that fdr was defeated in 1940 and the country elected charles Lindbergh, a nazi sympathizer as its president and in the novel charles Lindbergh signs a peace accord with hitler enabling hitler to wage a war aggression virtually impeded unimpeded all over the world and they're throwing jews into camp and it's really scary And here's the thing. It's Trump before Trump, because it's like in the book, all these appeasers from the Jewish community are trying to appease Lindbergh in the hopes that if they're nice to him, he won't throw them into camps. And soon they brainwash themselves into thinking, oh, he's not so bad. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, damn, Philip Roth was clairvoyant. He wrote that book back in 2004, 12 years before Trump. But he saw it all because the same thing is happening right now. We've got black leaders like Senator Tim Scott saying Dems are the bigots and turning everything upside down, just like the Jewish appeasers and Philip Ross novel. I got Nazis on my mind these days, people. And it's not just because I'm reading Plot Against America, because Trot Trump is trotting out Nazi lines. He sent out a press release saying anyone who doesn't believe his lie that the election was stolen is promoting the big lie. That's what he called it. The big lie, all caps. Even he wrote it and he even put the, the in the big lie in caps. The big lie itself is a Nazi phrase used by Hitler and his propaganda chief, Joseph Goebbels to promote a notion of a lie. So colossal that no one believed that anyone would have the impotence to distort the truth. So obviously, and that's what Trump is doing. He's saying that any Republican who doesn't fall in line with his assertion that the election was stolen will be kicked out of the party as a traitor. He's going after Liz Cheney in Congress, making a move to strip her of her House leadership position, already maneuvering to see who will get the leadership gig once they've kicked her out. And here's the funniest thing, because you got to laugh, people. This is insane. They're telling reporters, well... Once we kick Liz Cheney out of that gig, we're going to have to give it to a woman because it would be bad optics to take it from a woman and then give it to a man. And I'm thinking, you think MAGA cares about affirmative action for women? I know what you're thinking, lefties. You're thinking, Ben, they're not worried about MAGA. They're worried about swing voters in Wisconsin who will say, Hmm, okay, I can accept the fact that they have a loyalty test where you have to swear your allegiance to Donald Trump by repeating his lie that the election was stolen. And I can accept the fact that Donald Trump's slogan is taken from Nazis. But I'm sorry, replacing Liz Cheney with a man that's going too far. (laughs) Good point, lefties. On top of everything else, they think you're stupid. We got a great show today, everybody. No big lies in this studio. Nothing but truth tellers, and I'm looking at them all lined up. What an array of aldermanic superstars. Carlos Ramirez Rosa, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez, Jeanette J.T. Taylor, Byron Sixer Lopez, and Daniel Espada. They are the socialists 
in this Chicago city. I have lived so long. We not only have one socialist in the Chicago city council. I remember it was Carlos all by himself. <laughs> you come on the show, Ben, I'm the only socialist. We got five of them. And a couple more who are kind of like sort of socialists, but not ready. They're going to ready to join the party. Come on out, guys. It's okay. You can go in the water. <laughs> I just going to take it a little easy here. You know, it's sort of like some people, they always tell me about my uh, guys in the bowling team. When the, uh, the shot first came out, they were like, you know what I'm going to do, Ben? I'm going to let you get the shot first and see if that shot, you know, the COVID shot, if it kills you, if you survive, then I'll get one. That's, <laughs> that's what my, some of my lefties are doing. And well, we're going to see if this knocks out Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez. We're going to see if uh, JT can survive this. If Carlos and Daniel can survive it. And Byron, Byron's a real lefty. If they can survive it, we'll join. Anyway, you know, I love socialists. Five of my favorite aldermen. I'm looking at them right here. Google Meet is like, we got five people on this screen, D. Their Google Meet is like, getting a little nervous here. But I think it'll survive. I think Google will survive. We're going to take a break. We're going to return with Carlos, Rosanna, Byron, Daniel, and Jeanette J.T. Taylor. We'll be right back after this. The original Constitution of Illinois in 1818 explicitly stated only white males are eligible to vote. That is no longer written in our Constitution. But over 200 years later, Illinois laws still disenfranchise primarily black populations through felony disenfranchisement. Silenced, an Unlock Civics documentary is a story of the democracy we have created in the United States that silences millions of people who have been or are currently disenfranchised through incarceration. Premiering virtually on Thursday, May 13th at 6 p.m., it's Silenced, an Unlock Civics documentary examines who is included in our democracy and who is left out. Reserve your free ticket at chicagovotes.com. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from his attic. We are trying something new today. We've got uh, one, two, three, four, five guests lined up and ready to talk. Five aldermen, uh, members of the new caucus, the Socialist Caucus. The song we played before Dennis read, read that commercial uh, was I Want to Be a Centrist by Michael Girardi with that stinging uh, guitar solo in the middle of it. I Want to Be a Centrist and uh, what are a uh, cut it down the middle. Well, uh, the people I'm looking at, they don't want to be centrist. They're not cutting it down the middle. They're not splitting the baby in half. <laughs> These are the baddest of the bad in Chicago City Council, uh, the new uh, Socialist Caucus. And uh, Carlos, I'm going to lead off with you, Carlos Mary Rosa, uh, Alderman of the 35th Ward. You're sort of the dean, in quotes. Carlos is like a millennial. He's a millennial. I think it was my my son, uh, but he's the dean of the socialists in the city council. So take it away, Carlos. Explain uh, what are some of the goals, why you did it, the priorities, etc. Go ahead. Well, we're so excited to be with you here today, Ben. Uh, we knew that we wanted to do some type of press or media when we launched our caucus on May first, and we said, you know what. Uh, we can't do it any other place than the Ben Jarofsky show, uh, because in so many ways, you have been reporting on City Hall, uh, on the clout, on the politics, on the madness. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that, um, you know, we were sitting down with someone who knew what they were talking about, 
Um, but also, uh, you know, their reporting had been critical towards, uh, in many ways, getting us to where we're at right now. So we are the Democratic Socialist Caucus of the Chicago City Council. Um, you know, it's been about 100 years since there was a socialist elected to the Chicago City Council. At one point in time in the early 20th century, we're talking about 19, you know, 11, 1912, 1915, there are about 1,400 socialist elected officials all throughout the United States. They fought for things like public transportation, public schools, all of the great things that we enjoy and love about our cities today. Um, and in many ways, our current society and our current situation matches what the socialists then were facing. Record income and wealth inequality, poverty, disenfranchisement in our communities. Um, and socialists then were fighting to make sure that the interests of the working class were not just at the table, but were winning. Uh, that they had fighters that were standing alongside the working class movements that were in the streets fighting for the eight hour workday. Um, so we announced the formation of our caucus as we approached the two year mark in this first term on May 1st on the 135th anniversary of uh, the first May Day March in Chicago when 80,000 workers marched down Michigan Avenue uh, demanding a shorter workday with no cutting pay. Uh, we did that because we understand that our ability to create change is ultimately rooted in the power of working class people and their movements for change. So as a caucus, we've come together uh, to continue building that socialist movement, to continue building that leftist movement that's gonna deliver the social and economic and racial justice that working class Chicagoans and that all working class Americans need and deserve. All right, for good. Jeanette, I'm going to throw this question to you. Did you have any like hesitation? I know the answer to ask Jeanette Taylor, but I'm going to ask her anyway. Did you have any hesitation about joining a caucus like the Socialist Caucus? Did you have any fear that people would use against uh, use it against you in future campaigns? Go ahead. Uh, I don't care. Uh, I'm in a space where I belong. I'm with people who are like-minded like me that I could talk to, that I could trust, that we're we're all freshmen with the exception of Carlos, but Carlos, as you said earlier, had it bad being by himself. We all believe in public power. We all believe in making sure that our communities are well-educated and taken care of. And who wouldn't want to join a caucus that does that? Who wouldn't want to join a caucus that's honest and doesn't take corporation money and stands up for the people? I, I don't feel like I belong in a bunch of other caucuses. Mm. I feel like I belong here. And so I'm okay with the rhetoric of being a black, you're a black socialist. Yep, I am all day long and I stand behind it. And so I'm where I belong. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited that we were brave enough and Carlos said Let's get together and have this caucus. Um, of course, everybody has their reservations, but how could you not want to stand with some kick-ass older women and men who just do what they're supposed to do and don't apologize to, to the status quo? Mm -hmm. So I'm here and grateful to be here. And they talked about Jesus. Hey, what, what, what the, we, we special? They don't talk about us as well. And so join the club. We got jackets. Yes, join the club and don't worry what to say about you because I could write a book about uh, the things that people say about you, uh, usually when you're not around. Daniel Espada from the First Ward, uh, the same question to you that I asked Jeanette. It's a little different with you. You're in a ward that this, like your predecessor, uh, was of the centrist persuasion, you might say. They wrote the song about him. Uh, and uh, do you have any trepidations, uh, Daniel Espada, about joining the socialist group? Did you think, do you think, that, as I was asking Jeanette, 
that in the first ward, uh, people would use that against you? I I did not like I, I I think if anything it's it's my predecessor who was out of step with this ward a ward that overwhelmingly voted for the, the fair tax voted for Senator Sanders voted for Kim Fox it's an extraordinary progressive forward thinking board and it's a privilege to represent them uh, but I I can feel more at home in my ward than I often do in our city council I think serving as an alderman can feel like a and exercising in gaslighting on a daily basis that most of the rooms that you're in are trying to convince you that you are the crazy one, um, that everyone, even if you have no money, should be paying something for water, um, that we should have a corrupt utility governing whether we have access to electricity or not, that it's, it's crazy to think that there's another way to move forward and to be in a room full of folks who remind you that you're sane, that you're moving in the right direction, that it's the atmosphere that we're in that is not normal, um, that is life-giving. And I'm looking for every life-giving space that I can have. And so I'm so proud to stand with these folks. All right, Rosanna, your thoughts about this? Um, I, I have never had any qualms with calling myself a socialist. I ran as a socialist. Um, so I, <laughs> I, it is only natural that I'm going to try to organize myself inside of the city council with, with other socialists. And as, as um, Daniel said, in terms of my ward, um, my ward is, is a, an interesting place and it's pretty divided in terms of politics, but Senator Sanders won my ward by a, a really healthy margin as well. So I think that there is a lot of space for socialist politics in my ward. There's a lot of organization in my ward happening as well. Um, so I have to bet on the fact that we are going to continue organizing as movement in order to protect our seats um, and advancing our socialist ideals because those are the ideals that benefit everybody. We're fighting for everybody. We want everybody to be okay. And that is the purpose of us being able to organize ourselves within the city council. And also, you know, we continue to collaborate with other caucuses and it's important that we continue having conversations within the other caucuses that we're a part of. We are a part of the Latino caucus. We're a part of the black caucus. We're the, a part of the progressive caucus. And, and, and I think that it is important to, to bring ourselves and insert ourselves into those spaces and bring the conversation there. But also we need our own space um, to talk about the ideas that we have to flesh out policy, to work alongside movement and then bring those ideas into these, other spaces once we have buying from movement and support from movement. So I think this is a very necessary space and I'm really proud that we took the step to formalize it. Byron, your thoughts. Yeah, well, um, I agree. I think, you know, even, um, uh, Uh Oh, the powers of beat, you know, there we go. You are right there, Byron. I think you're uh, fading out a little bit. I think we broke Google. Uh, you're coming in and out. Yes, Hello. go ahead. <laughs> you know, I knew when I go to Byron Sixer Lopez, the troublemaker of troublemakers, 
<laughs> we would have yeah, trouble. They don't want to hear the truth. They, they mess with your internet. Mass is going in and out early. Yeah, so uh, Byron has frozen there. Uh, but we'll move back to Carlos. And Carlos, I'm going to ask you the question uh, that I was sort of teasing with at the outset. Uh, that not all members of the uh, who I would view as uh, socialist who ran as socialists, actually, I think Andre Vasquez ran as a socialist. Don't quote me, America, but I do believe he did run as a socialist. Uh, are members of uh, the Democratic Socialist Caucus. So how did that work? Like, yeah, well, I assume it's love- not conscription. You can't force <laughs> them to be in there. Talk about the process. Um, you know, we love our colleague, uh, Andre Vasquez, and we're going to continue to work with him and uh, to fight alongside him to put our working families first. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, we are going to continue to be members of United Working Families, which is a grouping of uh, progressive and leftist aldermen and Chicagoans. We're con- going to continue to be members of the Progressive Caucus, um, which is now 18 aldermen who identify as progressive. Um, but we felt that it was important out of a sense of obligation to the socialist movement that we are part of and that we want to see grow and that we know must grow if we're going to shift the balance of power between the capitalist class and the working class and have justice in our Chicago neighborhoods, we felt that it was important to advance that struggle that we formed this caucus. Uh, The caucus is open to anyone that identifies as a socialist uh, who abides by uh, the principles uh, that we have identified as socialists, including things like being anti-racist, you know, centering a feminist analysis, uh, working collectively, not acting individually. Um, And so anyone that that identifies as a socialist wants to abide by uh, the principles uh, of our caucus uh, can petition for membership uh, and be voted in. Uh, And I hope that uh, whether it's this term and most certainly uh, by next term that we will have more members of this caucus. All right. Very good. Byron, uh, can you uh, I want to bring you back in and see if it's working. Let's see if Google is still trying to punish you. Uh, What are some of the goals that you hope to accomplish, Byron, uh, through the caucus? Yeah, I hope that you can hear me now. But similar to the similar to what um, you know, Carlos had mentioned, I think, and just going back to the importance of this, um, the socialist caucus right now. I think that white supremacy and uh, corruption and all these issues have been with us for a long, long time. They're not new, but certainly we see with great concern the rise of fascism. I mean, we were very close to. Uh, uh, you know, see a fascist, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, all, all the things that came with all the isms that the previous administration uh, had. But we also got to take, you know, we also got to point out how this was even possible to begin with, you know, and again, we got to look at the failures within the Democratic Party that even allowed that to happen in the first place. We also have, you know, so we see with great concern um, the rise of, of fascism. That is still with us. There's a lot of white supremacy we just saw in Logan Square, you know, this, uh, you know, a, a terrible, a terrible, terrible incident, you know, the um, um, hate against Asian Americans and so forth. So we see with great concern, and I think Trump is not going to stop, the, the the Republican Party is not going to stop, and we are only going to be able to show a real alternative when we work with real issues that come from the grassroots. I think I'm going to uh, really have to quote again, you know, um, you know, in terms of, you um, uh, the work of Rosa Luxemburg, it is going to be barbarism or socialism. If you see here in the city of Chicago, what we see is barbarism. It's barbarism to see 250 murders last year, you know, to see the level of disinvestment in our schools, in our public institutions, the racism, even with the vaccination uh, process that left a lot of black and brown residents to fend on their own. 
the, 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 the real racist policies that we see playing out right now. And Biden is still in office. I don't know if we, we if, what was the excuse going to be now. I, I do think that it's going to be uh, a, a matter of working on issues, working with uh, grassroots organizations, working on the ground to put a real uh, uh, agenda for the people. So this is about, you know, for us, and I think Barbara Ross Luxembourg said it and said it well, it's going to be the barbarism and socialism. It's not going to be capitalism. It's not going to be the uh, racist institutions and, and, and parties who are disconnected from reality. And I think the socialist caucus couldn't come in a better time. All right. Uh, and uh, no sooner did the socialist caucus emerge that there was a punch thrown of sorts. And uh, Rosanna was the one who broke this story to me uh, before we went on the air. So I'd like to ask Rosanna to talk a little bit about it and then uh, get Jeanette to weigh in on it, too, because I think she was affected by it. Uh, some publication immediately. Uh, I can't remember the name. I literally cannot remember the name of the publication. I'm not doing that on purpose. Rosanna uh, came out and said, well, oh. The, the, all these lefties in the Chicago City Council think they're so slick forming their little socialist caucus. Well, guess what? Rosanna Rodriguez took money from AT&T. We'll be back in five minutes with more details. That's what happens, socialists. They're coming after you. So, Rosanna, talk about that. Go ahead. I do want to say that as a caucus, we haven't had a conversation about donations yet. And I, I was making it clear that for me, um, with my IPO, it was really important to to sort of um, have a baseline of who do we take contributions for. But this morning, the Daily Line broke a story about the caucus and the creation of the caucus. And um, and and they said that AT&T contributed to all of our campaigns. And I, I was, when I read it, I was like, did we take a check from AT&T? So I started trying to figure it out. And then I started texting everybody. And the majority of us were like, yeah, we haven't deposited any checks. So it seems like they looked at the contributions from AT&T, but they didn't go into our packs actually to see if we have taken the contributions. But the interesting thing about that check is that it says that it's from an AT&T employee pack, which makes you think that that the money actually comes from the workers in a way. So, I mean, there's a lot that goes on in in politics and and the nations, but I did think that it was interesting that that was the angle that was used in the the article this morning. Um, They did correct it. We got in touch with with Daily Line and and we and, and they corrected it and they wrote a note about the fact that um, that that the money was not taken, um, but it, it was a surprise this morning to see that that is one of the things that you know a publication chose to focus on uh, when you talk about bringing socialist politics into the city council that that's what we're choosing to say in in an article about um about socialists uh, organizing themselves in city council yeah uh jeanette you know they're going to come after you you remind, it reminded me of this story jeanette i uh, went off to eat lunch with a centrist alderman I don't know if I should mention the centrist. So he's not an alderman anymore. Uh, and, uh, oh, hell, Will Burns, uh, an old friend of Jeanette Taylor's. And uh, she's shaking her head. Hell no, he ain't my friend. Best friends. Best friends that I have. I have so much respect for his mother, but she, I'm not going to say what I want to say. I'll, t- be and I'll text you what I want to say. Uh, okay, I just did it. I knew she would. <laughs> Oh, I do. I do. Anyway, just brought back ten, five years. 
So anyway, yeah, I know it will burns, man. He used to be, he used to be the armor of the fourth word. Anyway. Uh, so he was very much a centrist. Uh, and I met his mom too. And I love his mom. Uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, so we were eating, we were having this dinner. I was, you know, I meet with centrist too, guys, you know, I got to get to see what everybody's thinking, you know? And, uh, so I ordered something. It was like a fancy French thing. And Will Burns and the other centrists at the table all made fun of me, Jeanette. They go, oh, lefty, you getting the fan. I forget what it was. It was some kind of fancy French thing I got. And I'm like, what? You centrists think just because I'm a lefty, I'm just supposed to drink water and eat bread? You know what I'm saying? And Jeanette, it's the same thing. They do that. It's like, oh, you say you're a socialist. You care about poor people. So you have to be poor. You have to live like in your garage. You have to, you can't go to a Bulls game. You know what I'm saying? They always try to make it like there's something so weird about a socialist that. You all should be able to go to the Bulls game. That's the problem. You make it expensive where we all can go. See, that's the difference between them and us. We believe we all should have it and we all should do it. I told AT&T they could take that check and get the internet fixed in my ward. We don't take money from ComEd. We don't take money from people gas. We don't take money from colonizers. That's how we roll. Get used to it. But what I didn't see was, you talk about 37 aldermen took it this time. How many years have they been taking checks from them? I ain't seen them print that shit. Print that. Then I'm impressed. And so I called the reporter this morning, like, I give you all my personal cell number. You could have picked up the phone and called me. He did text me, but I missed it. But I'm like, before you put out anything, get your facts straight. Because I will always tell you the truth. And we said what we said. How are we going to take money from people who mistreat our communities? That's not a good look. But let's look at everybody else's pack. I want to see him print that up. Why they, why they picking on the five people who's trying to fight the entire world just because we right and we want everybody to have what they need. They better go sit down and have several C-Squad cuffs. Keep <laughs> our name out your mouth. We are doing the God's work. We doing the people's bid. Go sit down somewhere. Y'all, y'all so busy with y'all six figures and colonizing that y'all pick on people who actually do what they being. Don't you get me started on here. See, Rosanna laughed. <laughs> See, Rosanna knows that she can keep me going. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, nobody's taking checks from them. Uh, Daniel, how do you deal with uh, when they throw the quote unquote hypocrisy at you, just like they try to do with Rosanna uh, and Jeanette? How do you handle it? I handle it by operating with integrity and ethics. Um, people can do what they want. Like uh, it, the challenge is whether it affects your behavior and your votes. So like, I mean, I'm fighting for a democratized public utility, which is why I don't take money from ComEd because I don't want people to believe that that is trying to sway me. I will admit, like I, I had moments where people made contributions to my account that I did not know about because I did not ask for it and found ways to both, um, listen, I'm going to talk about it from a faith perspective because that's who I am. Like it's about confession and repentance. There was a donation that came into my account from one of the, the sergeants or lieutenants funds. Confess that that was not who I want to be, where I want to go. Donated more than what they donated to me 
to the solidarity funds uh, that are operating in my my ward and made a commitment to them, to myself, to the folks I do fundraising with, that those are donations I'm not going to let come into my bank account again. So it's not like, folks, if, if we're going to, we're never going to be angels, we're never going to be saints, but it's about what we do moving forward, how we acknowledge if we feel like we've made a mistake. But I think in my life, in my work, I try to put my integrity and my ethics. Uh, I think we're, you're coming in and out, uh, Daniel. I may suggest that uh, you also turn off your camera the way Byron did. That may work better for you. Uh, speaking of Byron, Byron, what are some of the specific legislative goals that you would like to see uh, the caucus uh, present and we'll go through and then I'll go to Carlos after that. And everybody think about like specifically when people think of this, the democratic socialist caucus in the city council, what are those legislative goals that are at the top of your agenda? Go ahead, Byron. Yes, I think we, we, we're going to take on uh, what uh, uh, corporate Democrats and Republicans are not willing to take, which is for instance, today, uh, um, a, a court, a Trump federal court, decided to um, to roll back or roll out the um, the CDC guideline to to stop evictions, right? During the during the pandemic, so that has been striking down. So we will take full, you know, uh, with with with, um, with priority, uh, just cause for eviction. That's a piece of legislation that we've been promote that we've been proposing. That's something other municipalities have taken on, and we do need to make sure that we provide um, protections and common sense laws like just cause uh, for eviction, which will protect thousands of residents, over 21,000 evictions who have been already filed with the moratorium without this this protection. Now, um, I do think that we're gonna have a lot of people who are vulnerable to developers who are right now in the middle of an eviction buying property cash left and right as homeowners are losing their homes or having issues paying the property taxes. I do think that the other one I think has to be uh, and we think I think we have been uh, taking on um, on uh, on this issue very clearly. I think even in the in the Progressive Caucus, we haven't seen a very firm uh, commitment to push for an elected representative school board. We cannot continue to see you know the the the, the um, uh, Chicago Public Schools be run as a corporation, as a company, as a for-profit institution, where we have seen many um, uh, board of education members. Uh, with conflicts of interest, you know, we, we know even bankers, uh, we, we, we saw even people selling furniture. I've seen it all, uh, but we have not seen and, and we haven't seen the kind of investment that we need in our schools, the level of investment we need in our classrooms. So our children have everything that they need and deserve. And now coming um, with support from the federal government, uh, we are going to take, you know, the, the resources and make sure that they come to the people. The American Rescue Funding has to come and invest in our, in our communities. The over $7 billion that the state of Illinois is receiving is a projection between $1.8 and $3 billion that CPS may receive as well. We got to make sure that these funds come to our schools, that come to make sure that we have enough social workers, that we have everything that we need to prevent more violence in our communities. I think that these are some of the priorities from housing to education and, um, and other issues that we have seen people uh, you know, either silent or, or confused. I don't know what is to be confused here. It's very clear what our, our communities are demanding and what we need to put forward. Carlos, what else, uh, what else is on the agenda? Well, you can uh, look at our platform, uh, which is a living document. Uh, it was informed by looking to other socialists, elected officials across the country, other leftists, 
of course, the Chicago chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America, United Working Families, Grassroots Collaborative, a whole host of leftist groups that have been working for a more just and equitable Chicago. Uh, so you can go to our website, Chicago Socialist Caucus. Org. But we want to make sure, um, as Byron was talking about, that public money goes to public need. We don't want to see corporate welfare. We don't want to see privatization. We want to make sure that the people who have suffered the most during this pandemic, who have lost their lives because many of them were essential workers and had to go into a workplace where they didn't receive the adequate protection or health care that they need and deserve, we want to make sure that these individuals are prioritized now as we transition back to quote unquote normal. So it's all about centering the working class. You know, we say that as a caucus, we work to center working class people and their movements for justice, because we know that that is the most powerful force for transformative change. All of us were elected against entrenched, you know, uh, incumbents who were part of the broken status quo. All of us were elected by bringing together working class people in our communities to win grassroots campaigns. And so we want to live that now in our legislative work. We've already been doing it, but now we're going to do it even more as a caucus uh, and more strategically as a caucus is to make sure that we're standing with working class peoples as they fight for TIF reform, as they fight uh, to end racist policing and to invest more in care, in schools, in jobs, all of the things that we know have more of an impact at keeping us safe than prison or cops or jails. Um, you know, I, I think it's a very comprehensive platform. It's 13 pages, and I'm sure it's going to continue to change and grow uh, as uh, the fights that are happening in our communities change and grow. Mm-hmm. You get into uh, uh, TIFs. I've been writing about TIFs forever. And to me, See, I, I, you took the bait. Took yeah, the I bait. took the bait. Oh, <laughs> didn't take much. Uh, it's like Pavlov and the dogs, you know. Uh, so, uh, but to me, what TIFs represent, uh, is just an imbalance. It's just, it's just the program. If I could avoid saying that word again, I would, because everybody goes, oh, there he goes again. Uh, but it's essentially the imbalance where money that's supposed to be spent in the poorest neighborhoods gets spent in the richest neighborhoods. And I don't understand how a 21st century civilized city like Chicago that declares that it really does want to end social inequity and it does believe in helping the poorest of the poor lift up would continue year after year to allow uh, such gross inequities to exist. So I'm asking Jeanette Taylor this, what hopes do you have Jeanette uh, that you could use the power that you have as an older woman and in conjunction with your fellow socialists and even a few progressives that you may join to finally get the city to more fairly distribute the economic development dollars that it has. Go ahead, Jeanette. Taxing the rich, the stuff that we talk about, Medicare for, uh, I mean, common sense things. The same thing, thinking about this and Jeanette Young and, and the young man, who, Adam, who got killed. Us talking about pol- progressive police reform. It ain't rocket science. It's not hard. There is just no political will to be able to get some of these things done. And we got to push the envelope. It's to what Rosanna said. We got to be in those spaces, whether we feel comfortable or not, to be able to push it. Somebody has to say this. You do realize that people don't commit crime if they're making a living wage and they have access to a job, right? You do realize crime only happens because people lack certain things and it's everything. It's water. It's, it's a clean place to live. 
is quality meats and foods and fruits and vegetables in their community. And so why have we gotten to the place where once we make six figures or once we get to a certain social status that we forget about somebody helped us get here, A, and B, we forget about the people who don't have, and that's not who we are. And so it's us fighting collectively. The socialists are getting big. Like, I get I, I get this all the time. You're a black socialist? Yeah, join the club. <laughs> We, we're their black socialists, and I, I and I put it to them as simple as possible. Do you believe in public power? And if the answer is yes, you need to come over to the left with us. So you need to be a socialist because that's all it is. See, we're so busy getting into these labels that we don't realize what they actually mean, and we don't have the conversation about what being on the left and what being a socialist means. And, and being, you say it all the time, you don't want people to have quality education. You don't want people, we wouldn't be in a global pandemic if people had access to healthcare. Let's just call it what it is. We wouldn't have people worried about being evicted if we held landlords and developers as accountable as we do at the people that lives in them. If we took the money, the CARES Act money and the COVID money and bailed out the people instead of the banks and corporations, we would actually have somewhere where we're proud of. But we don't do that. We comfortable with being the 1%. And so since you want to be the 1%, take this 1% of this ass whooping that you're going to get from the socialist and from the left. Because that's what you're going to get. Now, it's time out for people ignoring what the needs of folks are in our community. So this is one of the richest countries in the world. And we got people sleeping under the expressway and under the Vinox. Where do they do that at? Like the kids say. It does not make it make sense. It does not. How are we forcing people to go back to school? We about to open up the world on July 4th and we still got people who, who are scared to get vaccinated and who haven't even gotten tested. It's because all y'all about is making money. I'm, we about making people's lives comfortable. Not just ours, but everybody. And we all sleep well at night because we do that. Rosanna, I got to ask you about some police issues. Uh, uh, Jeanette touched on it. Carlos touched on it. Byron did as well. Um, you've been at the forefront of the movement in Chicago to uh, what started off as defund the police. I don't know what, what it's called now, uh, <laughs> but essentially more equitably distribute the money. How about that? Uh, uh, not just in law enforcement, uh, but uh, in social services, et cetera, and so forth. What would you like on this front to see uh, the uh, Democratic Socialist Caucus uh, propose and push for? So if, so if you go to, to our platform, you're going to see that one of the points of our platform is care. What, what we're pushing for is very simple. It's creating the structures so that we are not focusing on punishing people, but we are focusing on making people whole. Um, during the 2020 budget process, a little bit before we, we started um, talking about the 2021 budget, I introduced the Treatment Not Trauma Council order. And the idea of that was to redirect money from the police department to create a crisis response model that would send EMTs and clinicians instead of police to deal with things that don't need police, right? Uh, so mostly mental health crises and not violent incidents. Um, that's an example of how do you build a structure that moves you away from having to send police to every single thing <laughs> that happens in the city. When COVID started in Chicago, um, we had 
at that moment about 13,000 police officers and the Department of Health had less than 500 employees. You know what was the only service that we had available for people in the city of Chicago during the pandemic? Policing. So the city of Chicago sent police to do wellness checks and then we reimbursed them with COVID freaking relief money. We gave money to police during a pandemic. <laughs> this is how crazy the, the system that we are using is. And for me, the idea that we are so fixated on punishment, that, that is the only thing that we have in order to be able to address public safety is incredibly problematic because public safety is a lot of things. People who are homeless are not safe. People who don't have anything to eat are not safe. People who don't have the proper resources in schools are not safe, right? There is the people who are mentally ill are not safe if they're not getting treatment and their families either, right? So why are we using police <laughs> to try to keep people safe? And when that happens, the problem is that we end with things like what happened with uh, Miss Anyanette Young or what happened with Adam Toledo, or what happened with uh, Anthony Alvarez, right? That's what we end up with. And at this moment, the city of Chicago, through the Department of Public Health, um, started uh, a pilot to do the work that I proposed through, through the order that has been supported by all of my colleagues. Um, we were able to make sure that they had a non-law enforcement alternative because what the mayor was proposing is a corresponder model that also sends police. Now, this, these police officers are supposed to be um, CIT trained, which is um, crisis intervention team trained. But we know that the, the, the officer who killed George Floyd was CIT trained. That doesn't mean that police is going to be able to, to act in the right way when they're faced with an emergency, when they're faced with crisis. So we believe that we need to take police out of that response. But, but you know, to summarize, we want to be able to create the structures that are going to be able to allow us to care for people. And we want to move away from punishment, be it policing, be it the carceral system. We want to create the alternatives to that. And, and that takes a lot of work and that takes thinking about policy in a very holistic and humane way. Byron, I know that uh, you also have been championing uh, on this issue, and I think it was you, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you raised it at a recent city council meeting, the mayor turned your mic off. Was that you that they turned the mic off for? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 was, uh, I was the victim, I should say, if, if, that's, a, if that's, a, that's the right word. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, turn your mic off. Here I am begging you to turn your camera off so we can hear you. And when you get in the city council, they turn your mic off. So what? Uh, all right. So that was uh, not the finest moment uh, for democracy in the city of Chicago when they turn your mic off. It was a throwback to the days of Richard J. Daly. Um, but what is what do you think uh, the, the city is heading on this issue? And can the Democrat, the Democratic Socialists advance uh, the issues of defunding police or getting the police uh, to uh, behave in a different way to treat uh, calls, emergency calls a little differently uh, than they treat them now? Do you think we're in a better place than we were, let's say, a year ago? 
I think that we're heading in the wrong direction if we continue to do what we've been doing, which is passing austerity um, budgets that uh, if we continue to fund um, with CARES funding, I mean, $280 million to the Chicago Police Department on top of the 40% that they already received with, with, the, with the results that are, that are clear you know, to the public, 750 murder, murders, uh, over 1,500 carjackings. This year alone, we already have over 200 uh, five homicides, uh, over almost 900 shootings. That's barbarism. And I think that we're heading in the wrong direction if we continue to do to do the same things, which is what Mayor Lightfoot is intending to do. Because Mayor Lightfoot is not the person running the city, are her cor- the corporations and billionaires who she represents. That's who, who, those are the people who are really turning on the mic. Those are the people who, you know, who, who publish, uh, you know, nonsense against the Socialist Caucus, which the only caucus and the only uh, uh, body that I think has been fighting on the floor to make sure that, do, that we follow research-based um, best practices policies. Look, the city of New York, um, because Mayor Life will also talk that we're leading the charge in, in public health across the, 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 the country. I think outside, the, and I think she loves national politics because here in Chicago, I think we all know very well where she's at. And even nationally, I think people are excited to see the kind of mayor she is. But let's look at what New York is, is doing, by the way. $135 million that they already have committed to mental health um, uh, programs, $135 million. Out of that, actually, uh, approximately $23 million, and I'm not mistaken, it was actually assigned for something similar to what Rosanna has proposed, which is a, a, a treatment a treatment mobile units so that we can respond to uh, to emergencies so that we don't have the, 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 the terrible issues that we have. Also, you know, as if you heard yesterday, we had a hearing that a whole mayor life would uses, and she, she listens to what representatives of each ward community members are saying to make sure that we prioritize um, the, the issues in our community from homelessness to mental health and, and all the issues that we have, education in our schools, social workers, so on. I do think that what we what we are heading uh, is in a very dangerous uh, dangerous path if she continues to push for more police, more repression. Also, let's remember, Mayor Life would also agree to bring the National Guard, you know, in a, in a time where we uh, we need we, we need what we need is actually investment. What we need is employment. What we need is opportunities. We heard yesterday very loud and clear, and I think that Mayor Lightfoot even had a whole summit about poverty. I don't know where the notes that she had for that summit went, but she invested a lot of money in a poverty summit. They, they, they actually attended. It was well, very, actually very well done, but I don't know what she does with her notes, actually. We had yesterday with a, a hearing in the public safety and, 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 and human relations. I hope that she took notes, but I do hope and I do think that may perhaps we can agree on something because I do think that we need to be public about it. What Raymond Lopez said in public in a public comment was shameful. To uh, to to really um, be, to to really put all the blame on the parents, on the mothers who have been victims of a terrible and cruel system is shameful. So I just wanna I wanna say and but that's the kind of narrative that unfortunately some of our colleagues have. I do think that when we put treatment of trauma, when we put uh, what we see in other cities happening, when we put common sense. Perhaps we start getting out of that that uh, that hole that we're in. But I tell you, Mayor Lightfoot is putting resources in the wrong places. We're heading in the wrong direction. But I'm glad that here, you know, listening to Rosanna, Jeanette, Daniel, Carlos, I think the people in Chicago can 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 see that we are talking about what the people need. I know what corporations and developers continue to do. They want to profit in the middle of a pandemic. And for you know, this is this is this is not this has never been the time. But now it's cruel. What what is happening right now is cruel.
Can I Wait. can I say something about what Byron said? I'm so sorry, but I, I I need to get this out of my chest. I also did not appreciate that Alderman Raymond Lopez tried to ridicule one of the panelists and tried to humiliate one of the panelists that was actually giving incredibly useful information um, in in the process. So it, it's sort of like it's about the politics, but it's also about how we present ourselves as human in different spaces. Um, and and that's I think that's a part that we as socialists are really trying to make sure that we practice in city council to be to be respectful of one another and to be respectful of the people that come um talk to us and give us information i think it's about a culture that needs to be changed as well in city council excuse my utter ignorance and i completely apologize for not knowing this what did raylo do now i missed all this what did Ray- <laughs> we played raylo at the outset uh swearing at mayor Lori lightfoot was he swearing at somebody else at the city council yeah, meeting? There was a hearing yesterday, and um, Dr. Arturo Carrillo was there to speak about mental health. And and Alderman Lopez asked a question, and Arturo answered the question as one of the panelists. And Raymond had a follow-up thing, which I don't think that he actually wanted the question answered. He was just talking. But then there was an answer to his question and he didn't necessarily like the answer to the question. So he did a follow up question. And when I, when Arturo, when Dr. Arturo Carrillo responded, he sort of smiled at what he was saying. And he said, I don't know why you're laughing at what I'm saying. This is not funny. And of course, Dr. Arturo Carrillo is an incredible human being who has dedicated his life. To, to trying to provide mental health services in Latino communities. He's a very serious person, right? So to try to ridicule or humiliate somebody, and, you know, he said, I don't know if it's that you're nervous or what. That is that is not something that you do to people who come in the council to share information with us in order to help us craft policy that makes sense. So I really resented that, and I wanted to say that out loud because I don't want to see that in city council. I really don't. Uh, by the way, that just leads me. Uh, I got to ask Carlos this. Uh, <laughs> Carlos uh, was the lone socialist uh, or democratic socialist. I always forget the democratic part. I, uh, but anyway, it doesn't really matter. Anyway, uh, although it's true, Carlos, they always go socialist. They forget that Democrat and it kind of makes you even look wilder and wackier uh, than they want. But do you remember th- this Carlos and I would have this conversation. You got to help. Let's just reminisce a little bit, Carlos. In the old days, before you had uh, leftist allies in the council, you'd get up and say, no money for the police academy on the west side. And they would like make fun of you, make fun of your like whatever your tie was that day. I mean, it'd be like they go back to high school, high school. Aldermen are like pushing 70 and they're back in the high school cafeteria. You know, talk a little bit about that, Carlos. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the culture in city council uh, for decades has been broken. Um, and, you know, traditionally the mayor has been like the quarterback, the most popular kid at school. Uh, and then you have aldermen that are just, you know, they're cronies. Um, and they become their cronies first and foremost uh, because they're given a committee chairmanship, right? So they exchange all of their job, all of their votes on citywide policy in exchange for, you know, an additional 200,000, uh, to hire staff. Um, and, and yeah, I think that, you know, when you engage politics in that transactional level, 
when you're not guided by bigger principles or by a bigger worldview or by a political philosophy that explains why you sought to be elected to office and why you do what you do, I think you end up falling back on just the worst of our society, the worst of politics. You view it as, you know, a, a game of one uh You're very nasty to each other. Started uh, getting a phone call. This is why you should never do an interview on your phone. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so I, I would say that, um, people were, were very, very mean. And then I think, you know, it was all about trying to get you to conform to the broken status quo. Uh, and what I, what I told you before, Ben is like, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't care what my colleague sitting next to me was yelling at me. Uh, if they were going to call me, Hey, you know, you're crazy for taking this stance against a police academy and demanding that that money be spent on the things that actually keep us safe. That didn't bother me. Because at the end of the day, what I cared more about was how was it going to impact the people in my community? Can I go back to my family and be proud about what I've done in the Chicago City Council? Can I go back to my independent political organization and be proud, the people that elected me, and be proud about the stances that I took and say, you know what, we've tried our best to move the conversation to the left and to win concessions that are going to put our neighborhoods first. Um, so it was a tough time. I, can't, I cannot lie. You know, now that I think about it, I'm like, let's just not even think about it. That's kind of gone now. You know, um, now uh, we have wonderful uh, socialist colleagues. And I got to say, we also have wonderful United Working Families colleagues, uh, Matt, uh, Maria, Mike, Andre. Um, having yes. that team of people is a critical support system uh, and, and I think has really helped us be more effective uh, as a progressive movement in the city council than we ever have been uh, since really since Harold. Mm. Uh, Dan, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I keep thinking of the word progressive as I'm listening to uh, Carlos talk and Rosanna Byron, Jeanette and yourself. Uh, in my opinion, a progressive has just become so diluted over the years that it has lost all meaning. Everybody's progressive in the city of Chicago. Everybody runs as, as a progressive, except for maybe the MAGA people. They may not uh, run as progressive. I don't think Raylo, my good friend Raylo runs as a progressive, uh, but uh, he may be one of the few who doesn't run as progressive. Uh, what's your opinion about this, uh, Daniel? Uh, has the word progressive lost all meaning? And is that one of the reasons why you decided uh, to join a democratic socialist which are more outspoken in terms of what exactly they believe in. It, it's so funny you talk about that, Ben, because it reminds me of some of the the press releases, robocalls from a couple of years ago, where uh, some of our electeds were touting Mike Madigan as the the longtime progressive leader down in Springfield. <laughs> and I was like, what does this mean? Um, I, my, a friend of mine likes to tease me about this, how my political affiliation listed on Facebook changed over the years from moderate to progressive to democratic socialist, because it's, it's less my, my values and beliefs that shifted, uh, rather the ground underneath me, you know, like I have always believed everyone deserves safe, affordable housing. We deserve well-resourced, well-maintained parks. We deserve schools that are healthy places to learn where our teachers have the resources that they need. From the time I was a kid to now, I've never stopped believing that. It's that sadly the, the climate around me has shifted to what I, I once considered common sense. Uh, I woke up and is a democratic socialist position. And I'm all right with that. Like I, 
I think I'm really glad. I, I won't demean the dilution of the term progressive, but I'm so glad for this room full of people that when we were writing about the values and the vision of this caucus, we were very specific in what it meant to us, what our values are, so that no one can just go around and plant a red rose on their mailer next time around and call themselves a democratic socialist. It means something specific and powerful, and I think we're committed to maintaining that meaning. All right. Uh, I'm going to close this down by getting each of you an opportunity to uh, vent about something or articulate something that you really want to articulate. And I just got to say this. These are these people right here I'm looking at. They're loyal friends of the Ben Jarowski show. Whenever I need them, I reach out. Roseanne, I need you on the show. JT, I need you on the show. And they come on the show and you always got something to say. And I appreciate that because you don't hide and you don't pull the punch. You say it as you feel. Uh, you live in, you truly do live in lefty land. <laughs> so I, I'm going to give you each an opportunity to vent whatever it is that you got on your mind that you really want to get off your chest. But I, in particular, I want to ask Jeanette Taylor something. And I've been meaning to have this conversation with Jeanette for a while. I've talked a lot about this particular human being on my show. And that would be Senator uh, Tim Scott of South Carolina and the way he is being used by the Republican Party. And I just, a lot of people said, what do you think Jeanette would have to say about this? So Jeanette, I have to ask you, what in the most general way are your thoughts about how Senator Tim Scott is being used by the Republican Party? I get an email. I get at least four emails a day, Jeanette Taylor, from Republicans talking about how Tim Scott is being picked on, how he's a victim, how it's outrageous, the racism being uh, thrown at Tim Scott. What are your thoughts about this? All skin folks and kin folks. Just because he a black man, he a black elected doesn't mean he he stands up for black people. He is not being picked on. He is a racist and a capitalist. Yes, I said it. And don't be giving me that he can't be racist. He prejudiced. He is not listening. You remember the movie Django and the role that Samuel L. Jackson played? That's him. And I said what I said, and he can call me and ask me, and I'll tell him. I'm never the person to try to question folks' blackness, but clearly your lived experience tells you something different, and you definitely are not speaking for the right folks. He ain't being picked on nothing. He ain't no different than Stacey Dash and what's that other girl named? Candace Owens. They are all in the same coon club together. I said it. You do not get on anywhere and degrade and disregard your own people's experience. I tell people all the time, I could never speak for Rosanna as a Latinx woman. I could only speak of what happens to me as a black woman, but I would never disregard what Rosanna goes through as a Latinx woman. Same thing for all of my coworkers. And so the thought that he would get on TV and let the coonery, coonanonics, out of his mouth is disrespectful to all of us. And it, it's just, you stood on the shoulders of folks that look like you to get there and that's what you do with it. You go sit, go sit down and have several seats. 
I don't feel sorry for people like that. Because at the end of the day, if you don't know, keep your mouth closed. You notice I don't talk about things I know nothing about. And some people do not know what it's like for the black experience. But I think he'll remember that the day he gets pulled over and nobody knows who he is. And so things like that, people in the black community, we got to check them. We definitely, and he can be checked. He is no different. He ain't special. And the thought that he would use his platform and his power to do that foolishness makes me sick to my stomach. I kind of had a feeling that's something like what you would say, Jeanette, but uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Rosanna, what's on your mind? Uh, um, I have so much to vent about, but I'm going to say, I'm going to keep it simple. Um, I'm really tired about how, um, inefficient city council is. I am really tired of how hard it is to get a hearing on anything that we want to discuss. I am really tired of the fact we can, we, we don't seem to be able to get things out of the rules committee to be able to send it to like basic functions, people, basic functions of city council. So I am really hoping that we can push also for good government, which is what Mayor Lightfoot said that she was going to do when she came in. Uh, But we haven't seen that kind of reform in city council and we haven't seen a a will uh, from from the council either to fix that so that we can actually have um, lawmaking processes that take us to um, passing legislation that we're interested in and, and discussing it because because the public has a right to know what is it that we're introducing and if it is good for our communities. If we don't have the opportunity to bring those things uh, forward so that the public can know, then how are we going to legislate? So that's something that I am very frustrated about and that I hope that we are going to be able to change in the time that we are in city council. Very good. Uh, Daniel, what's on your mind that you want to talk about? I mean, it makes me like how all vent off of Rosanna's, the fact that you have to wait sometimes five or six months for a resolution for a, like a subject matter hearing on a non-bonding resolution is madness in this city. Um, it, it brings me a sadness. It makes me grieve that those who have been given the most power, some of our committee chairs, won't say all of them, but many of them, uh, allow that power to be subverted and constrained by the mayor who gave them that power. We, we need folks to operate with more independence. We need to operate like we're living through a crisis, as we are. Like this city, 74% of Chicagoans recognize that in the Cranes poll. We're, we're on the wrong track. And that does not mean Chicago is not a beautiful city, but it is a broken city as well. That so many of our neighbors should be homeless, that so many of our neighbors right now in this moment are on the verge of eviction and foreclosure, that we are miles behind every other major American city in our response to climate change. We're on the wrong track. Uh, But I would not have run for Alderman if I did not believe that the smarts and the resources and the talent wasn't there to get us back in the right direction, which is why this caucus gives me hope, why this conversation gives me a lot of hope. Byron, what's on your mind? No, I think uh, similar to what um, everybody, everybody has said, you know, I think that the Socialist Caucus and I think hearing in this um, 
in this group, uh, you have people committed to good government. Uh, I think that's what it comes down to. And we'll be working with everybody who is committed to good government and, uh, and, and social justice and uh, policies that help the most vulnerable, especially during a pandemic. What we will not understand is with the corrupt practices of the past. Uh, and I will say here publicly, Mayor Lightfoot has a lot more in common with uh, Alderman Burke and Alderman Solis that people think of. The issue of prerogative, uh, and I will be very clear with this, uh, it has been misused by this administration to confuse and deceive the public. Here in the 25th Ward, I tell you that even though we put a resolution forward uh, to make sure that the, the community has the opportunity to vet, and I give you credit, Ben, I think that you have been very um, uh, correct in, in, in the issue of, of, uh, of prerogative and the importance to make sure that we have processes in place where the community can hold elected officials accountable when it comes to decisions that pertain, especially when they're local decisions. I tell you, the mayor Lightfoot has been pushing for uh, permits. I put, I put a resolution when I started my term uh, to review every decision that my predecessor had made. Uh, my predecessor who has been indicted and in multiple uh, cases of corruption. Mayor Lightfoot, believe it or not, has been pushing for some of these permits and some of these previous decisions that my community has opposed. Now, I know Mayor Lightfoot is, is extremely upset because she did not get her way. She was luring developers in New York, trying to bring him to our community. She tried to bring and put a landmark. A thousand, you know you know the construction costs had they double and triple. My community be gone if we have gone uh, with Mayor Lightfoot's uh, plan. We fortunately now have changed our way. We now have a deconversion ordinance, demolition fees, and self-determination. However, Mayor Lightfoot continues to abuse her power, and I will be public. I will right now have an IG investigation on her office about the use of prerogative to bypass my office and my community. So the issue of prerogative is an issue of community-driven uh, processes. It's an issue of community and how the community can hold elected officials accountable to vet the process. Mayor Lightfoot has a very confused view about prerogative with means mayoral control so that she can do as she please. Mayor Lightfoot, you will find here in this body integrity and ethics, not what you have been doing and tried to do for way too long. All right. Thank you very much. I think I know the issue you're talking about. I was talking to Adolfo Mondragon about this just the other day. Uh, Carlos, why don't you close it down? Uh, you started it. Uh, talk about vent something uh, that's on yeah. your mind that you really want to get off your chest. Go ahead. Yeah, that, that's what we all go on the Drosky show for is to vent about politics. Um, you know, one of the things that I've really been thinking about recently is the fallacy that a lot of progressives, liberals, and centrists tell themselves that if we simply become good enough friends with those in power, if lawmakers go in and, and buddy buddy with the you know corrupt politicians that have been there for decades, selling out their communities to do the bidding of the rich, if we simply become good enough friends with them, we're gonna be able to create the change that we wanna see, right? If I had gone golfing with Ed Burke and become his best friend, he suddenly would have said, you know what, Carlos, you're right, we need rent control. Uh, if I had taken out, you know, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and gotten cigars and scotch, some of her favorites, right, that suddenly she's going to say, you know what, Carlos, you're right. I'm going to ignore the $800,000 I got from big landlords and realtors, and I'm going to work with you and Byron and the Socialist Caucus to pass Just Cause for Eviction. I didn't realize it before, but now that we're best friends, I'm totally, you know, changed in terms of my approach to politics and governing. It's BS, right? It's about power. It's about systems of power. And we know that in this country, the rich and powerful buy the bidding 
of elected officials that are office through their campaign contributions. And as we've seen sometimes through straight up, you know, just old school fashioned corruption. So if we're going to change this system, it's not about just getting elected and then shaking hands. It's not just about making a really nice policy paper and making data driven arguments. It's about shifting the balance of power between the capitalist class and the working class, between the haves and the have nots, those who have government working for them and those who have been hurt by a government that only works for a select few. And that's what this socialist caucus is about. That's what we center in our work. We're not fools. Right. We know that the things that we're fighting for are extremely popular and are extremely reasonable. Good jobs. We want data driven public safety investments to invest in the the systems of care that will actually really reduce crime and keep us safe. We want fully funded public schools. We want to lower property taxes. We want affordable housing and affordable rents. We want the things that the people of Chicago, the people of the city of Chicago need, want and deserve that the vast majority of people want for their communities but we're going up against big and powerful and trans special interests who have big deep pockets. So we need you listener to get involved. I need you to go to Chicago socialist caucus.org, scroll down to the bottom, put in your email. I need you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. I need you to show up and, and call your alderman, uh, uh, help us elect more democratic socialists. We need you to get involved because that's the only way that we're going to shift the balance of power between the capitalist class uh, and the working class. Uh, and I just got to say thank you so much, Ben, for having us on. I don't think we could have, uh, you know, had our first group interview with anyone else. Uh, and it just it feels really good. This is your team, Chicago. This is your team that's going to kick ass for the working class. Uh, and I hope that we can work together to, to create real powerful changes uh, at City Hall that are going to provide our communities with the resources we need and deserve. All right. Well, ben, do you have, ben, do you, do, don't you have like a like a standing ovation, like sound effects? Yes. <laughs> Where's Dennis? Get that standing ovation sound. Uh, he's got the smashing glass. He can play. I'll tell you what. If we have all. There we go. Yes. There's the smashing glass. We could, uh, if you want, we could play more Raylo uh, swearing, cussing oh, out. No, no, I guess you don't want to hear that one. Um, <laughs> Uh, Carlos, one more time. <laughs> down with the thumb, thumbs down. Carlos, one more time. Give that website you gave. You gave a Chicago Socialist Caucus dot org. Very good. That's uh, easy to remember. I want to thank uh, Rosanna, Byron, Carlos, Jeanette, and Daniel. Uh, you guys, I remember I sent out that text. Share the mic, and you shared the mic as good socialists will. Okay. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I think it was Carlos who said, "We're socialists. We share." And uh, all we do is share best of luck to you going forward. I'm speaking as an old lefty. uh, I'm looking at young people here. They're all younger than me. And uh, my generation didn't do such a great job of holding true to its progressive. I got that in quotes, Daniel, it's progressive uh, values, et cetera. So I'm looking forward to a new generation and you're carrying on well. So I thank you. Uh, for doing this and see, let's see where it could go. So uh, on behalf of the Ben Jarofsky show, thank you, Rosanna, Byron, Carlos, Jeanette, and Daniel for showing up. And of course, we have to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Rosanna, Byron, Carlos, Jeanette, and Daniel will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Thank you.
Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more, chicagoreader.com or wherever else you download podcasts. Send us an email, bennyjshow at gmail.com. You can reach us on social media at bennyjshow, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can call the Ben Jarofsky show. It's true. We have a phone number, people. 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. We would love to hear from you. 